It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. So were you shocked when Donald Trump was elected president of the United States? Are you wondering what comes next? And will this truly change the game? What is really going on behind the scenes? Is America experiencing a revolution? Our guest today, Mr. Roger Stone, is a seasoned political operative, speaker, pundit, and New York Times best-selling author featured in the Netflix documentary, Get Me Roger Stone. He's advised several U.S. presidents and recently served on the President Trump's uh, campaign. He's since gone on to write Making of the President 2016, How Donald Trump Orchestrated a Revolution. Mr. Stone is here to help us get a handle on what's really going on in Washington and the nation. So welcome to Living Wealthy Radio, Roger. Delighted to be here. Delighted to have you on. So you've been described as a confidant of President Trump and really the man who got him to run for president. Is this true? Well, um, uh, you know, Donald Trump is um, is his own strategist, and he's responsible for the Trump presidency. The person who actually conceived of Donald Trump as a candidate for president before I think Donald Trump himself, and even before me, was former President Richard Nixon. The former president met Donald Trump in George Steinbrenner's box at Yankee Stadium in his post-presidential years. Uh, he, of course, had read about Trump, knew who he was, but he was immediately smitten. Um, he, he told me the following day how impressed he was by Trump's uh, stature, his knowledge, his swagger, his, his, as he called it, his command presence, which is, you know, it's more than charisma. It's more than magnetism. It's a certain quality that's hard to put your finger on. But Nixon was so moved that he shortly thereafter dropped a note to, um, to Trump in his own hand, uh, telling him that um, he and Mrs. Nixon agreed that if Donald ever, ever decided to run, he could go all the way. Hmm. Very prescient of him, because look what happened many decades later. You know, that said, in 1988, um, when the candidates for president were George Bush uh, and Michael Dukakis, um, you know, I strongly urged Donald to consider the uh, a candidacy. The timing was wrong from a number of points of view. It was wrong in terms of his business. It was wrong in terms of uh, uh, you know the fact that 
he still had many real estate mountains to climb in 1988. Um, but he, he was intrigued by the idea, and I think he was very pleased by the media coverage that his speech in New Hampshire to the Chamber of Commerce got. And it was really kind of the first taste. From my point of view, um, it was also eye-opening because I saw firsthand how people reacted to him. I saw the Trump magic. Uh, and I, I don't know, perhaps it's just because he comes from a discipline other than politics. Um, perhaps it's because voters just don't see him as another grubby politician, but they see him as somebody who's built a business and actually accomplished something outside of politics. Uh, he is. He has really, I think, a connection to people, an excitement that no other candidate for president could duplicate in this most recent cycle. Well, he's been called the blue-collar billionaire. Do you think that's part of his appeal to the working very class? Definitely, to the- very definitely. Very definitely. Despite the fact that he has an Ivy League education and that he's a Wharton graduate, one of the finest business schools in the country, he still speaks the language of the common people. He speaks colloquial English in a way that people talk. So it's not stilted. It's not formal. It's not stuffy. Uh, And I think it's a very large part of his appeal. Uh, He is, I think, by his own admission, he is a man of simple tastes. You know, he prefers a good cheeseburger to the finest French pâté de foie for example. Uh, he's unfussy in his in his uh, in his food choices, in his in his uh, kind of the way he approaches everything. He's got kind of solid American middle class values, which are you know uh, the elites may look down on this, but I think the voters love it. Well, there seems to be a, a contradiction in his personality, at least from my point of view. He he does seem to be the common man, right? He speaks plain English, obviously very brilliant, very well-schooled, um, very accomplished. You say he's got simple taste, but at the same time, you look at pictures of, you know, his penthouse, and it's, you know, laden with gold and very you know, some would say um, obnoxious tastes, right? So he's, he's got he's got very extensive tastes, but at the same time, very simple tastes. He's very charismatic, but then he turns off a lot of people. Many people find him to be brash and very obnoxious. So there seems to be either two personalities or people are projecting their own issues onto him. Which do you think it is, or is it both? Well, I mean, Donald Trump is what Donald Trump is. He's always been the same, you know, he's always been the same person, and it's an idiosyncratic operating style that is unlike what we've seen in other presidents and certainly in other politicians. Um, his his over-the-top style, the style of his buildings, for example, the gold leaf, the extravagant marble, and so on, those are those are those are signature flourishes. Those are what he's known for. Again, it's solid middle class, non artsy values. Even his architectural style is very basic and very American. Uh, I think he turns elites off. There's no question about it. If you look at the polling, 
people with high school graduates uh, or people who are high school graduates like him, people with two years of college like him, people with college degrees are split, people with um, graduate degrees dislike him. It's also true on the sliding income style. If you are, you know, socioeconomically in the middle in terms of what you're earning, you probably like him. If you are extremely wealthy, particularly if you have inherited wealth, you don't like him. So he's always been a polarizing figure. There was no no uh, time that he wasn't. But in our fast-paced and quickly moving society, you have to be brash to get any attention. He had to develop his own brand. To, it made him a business success, and it's made him a political success. Is his private personality similar to his public persona? Yes. There's nothing phony about Donald Trump. He, he's, he's the same person 24 hours. So as a family man, what we see, uh, his interactions with his children, which amazing three kids, oh, actually five kids, right? But the three that we see, their personality, how intelligent and articulate and poised from the perspective of raising kids, certainly done an amazing job. And what I've read, I don't know if it's true, they don't drink. They don't take. They never took drugs. They they don't smoke. Drugs. They don't swear. I mean, right. no. I look. Amazing. I think one thing you can definitely say is that Donald and Ivana Trump were amazing parents. They have they have reared three very well adjusted, very productive, very balanced, very responsible kids. Um, I don't know Tiffany as well, but she appears to be on her way to a career. So um, I think that, that, that when you look at the pressures that those kids had to be under, having, you know, billionaire parents in the tabloids and, and living in the spotlight, it's pretty impressive. Very impressive. Three for three, right? And how well they represent their family and their father, when you see them on TV and you see them articulating their father's position and how you know, Ivanka, um, um, oh, the daughter, Ivana? Ivana. Ivanka. Ivanka. How she, even when she disagrees with her father, how articulate she is and how beautifully she discusses the differences in their opinions. Just an amazing job as, as a parent, right? Um, and then you see President Trump sometimes in his brashness, like this weekend with the CNN um, little video, right? Um, uh, wrestling CNN. There's, there's a brashness there that you don't see in the kids. And some would say certainly not presidential, right? And that's a whole other conversation. But it's, it's the contrast sometimes is like, wow, he did such a great job raising these kids, and they're nothing like his father in terms of the personality. It's, the contrast is just amazing. Well, I, I've noticed a phenomenon in which people who have worked for Donald begin acting like him and talking like him. Um, and uh, 
there's only really one Donald Trump. Uh, he's the patriarch, and he's entitled to conduct himself as he sees fit. I mean, it did, in fact, get him elected president. Uh, at, at the same time, I think that that, that brash, genuine style, this is not a guy who's talking from polls or from focus groups or survey research that's designed to tell him what to say in order to be popular. This is somebody who speaks from the heart, speaks from the gut, and it, it has a raw feeling to it, but that's what makes it authentic. That's what makes it genuine. I think voters see him as real, and they see most career politicians as confections, as, as you know, a, a construction of what a politician should see and talk about. Is it true that he watches hours and hours of TV every day? Absolutely true. He loves television, loves it. And it's where he gets his news. You can you can see that. So as a leader, right, and as someone who holds others accountable, I mean, his agenda, he certainly gets things done. So it's a matter of how many hours are in the day for him to push his agenda and meet his objectives, plus the TV that he watches. When, when does he have time to do all this? Well, remember, this is somebody who who only sleep, speak, uh, sleeps, you know, between three and five hours a night. He's always um, had that that idiosyncrasy. He's not someone who requires uh, a lot of sleep. So the recent election, um, some would say, was a, a revolution. And it might seem obvious, but what is your take on what truly changed this time around? Do you think middle America, the average man, was just sick and tired of the typical politician and the direction which the country was going and said enough is enough? You know, I have been involved in presidential politics now for 40 years. Uh, and I would have to tell you, I never saw the voters this angry never saw them this upset. I never saw, I've never seen the voters in all the polling that I studied this um, disillusioned uh, about government, about political institutions, uh, and so on. Uh, so I think that you had a perfect storm. In retrospect, even though I wanted Donald Trump to run in uh, 2012, I think the time was probably still not quite Right. I still think you needed eight years of the Obama presidency uh, and the abject failure of the political class to reverse the trend that they themselves have put in place in which the country is clearly in decline. They have given us uh, endless war, uh, erosion of our civil liberties, uh, massive debt and spending and borrowing, uh, trade policies that have sucked the jobs out of America, immigration policies that leave our country unsafe. Uh, and it took both party elites working together to achieve all that. Trump, although he's a Republican, this is the, you know, this is the uh, hostile takeover of the Republican Party, as it were. The Republican Party, in this case, is simply a vehicle 
Trump's loyalty is not to party, but to country. Um, this is someplace I think he he's, uh, clashes with some of the establishment Republicans who at this point seem to be holding back most of his program. Or much of his program, I think would be fair to say. Yes, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I love the fact that he is for the country and not for the party. However, those that have aligned with him politically seem to do better these days than those who are not. What do you think the Republican Party is going to change moving forward now that Trump um, seems to have the whole Russia uh, fake news behind him, right, the, the whole collusion story? Do you think moving forward he's going to be able to build consensus for his agenda, or is the battle still uphill? Well, I think he's going to be able to forge a, a, a slim governing majority. The party, the country is very evenly divided, um, as evidenced by the outcome of the election. Uh, and, and frankly, uh, it's amazing that he's gotten as much done as he has, given the fact that the, the, the two-party duopoly and the political government media establishment in Washington um, has done everything humanly possible to destabilize his presidency, to delegitimize him. The entire narrative of Russian collusion is a fairy tale. It's just a lie. I'm going to testify for the House Intelligence Committee on the 24th. I can't wait because I have quotes from a number of the congressmen on that committee, exact quotes of things they have said, either on the record in hearings or in the media, that are just false. One congresswoman from California, for example, says, Stone has been on the Kremlin's payroll. No, I mm. haven't. Apologize. Apologize. That's false. So uh, it is, it is uh, clever in the sense that I think it's a narrative concocted by John Podesta, the chairman of Hillary's campaign, that was meant to distract public attention from the fact that he and his brother, Tony, um, were making millions of dollars from the oligarchs around Putin, that Bill and Hillary themselves were pocketing millions of dollars in speaking fees, as well as contributions from the same coterie of billionaires around Putin. What better way to distract from all that than accuse Donald Trump? I, I still think when all the smoke clears, there is nothing. We will find nothing. So how is it that they can throw all this dirt on the president regarding the Russian collusion story when they themselves have dirty hands and nothing happens to them? Year after year, decade after decade, we hear of all the corruption surrounding like the Clinton family and nothing ever happens to them. Well, I think it is because we had a complicit mainstream media who chose to look the other way because they were politically copacetic with the Clintons. In the 80s, it's pretty understandable. The media was far more limited, and three networks had a monopoly on political discourse. If it didn't happen there, it didn't happen. 
the executives in those media companies, which are corporately owned, as well as the corporate executives for the companies that own them, they were copacetic with the Clintons politically. And therefore, they would not be in a position or they would not be conducive to straight investigative reporting. With the rise of a vibrant and robust alternative media, I think those days are over. I go so far to say that you're going to learn even more about the Clinton Foundation and corruption there in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, sometimes things take longer than they should. But, for example, in in this most recent election, we finally had a discussion of Bill Clinton's abuse of various women. The media tried to say, oh, those were infidelities. Those were those were indiscretions. Well, that implies consensual sex. Uh, The issue here was far darker. It it involved assault. It involved violence against women and and it involved him forcing himself on women. It's not the same thing. The mainstream media blocked that narrative in the 80s. But they were unable to block it now because the alternative media covered it. And I think covered it honestly. To me and, and, and those that I communicate with about politics, the unmitigated gall that they still, after everything that's out there about them, they still position themselves in American politics day in and day out. The lack of shame uh, it, it, it really is just unbelievable. Yeah, they can't be embarrassed. It's in, they're incapable of being embarrassed. It's really quite extraordinary. And now, even today, they seem to refuse to leave the stage. I mean, when you consider how many investigations and how many um, formal proceedings against them, including impeachment, um, are in their record, you would think that they would have the good sense to take their ill-gotten millions and ride off into the sunset. Uh, Instead, they reached for power one time too many, uh, and a Clinton lost a national general election for the first time. So is there no karma? Is there no (laughs) consequences? At least in well, I think there. I mean, just Hillary, Hillary's Hillary's defeat shows that there is karma, and we don't know where the story goes from there. Do you think President Trump will pursue an investigation? I mean, he certainly there was that narrative, right? The, the first time someone from the stage, from his position, actually said out loud, you know, Hillary belongs in jail, right? But he didn't seem to follow through with that. How come? Well, I think in the period immediately after the election, the president met with Al Gore, met with Reverend Al Sharpton. Uh, I really think he was trying to be president of all the people. I think he expected that he, like every president we've ever had, would get a honeymoon. Uh, But that honeymoon just never came. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I think that now he's realized that extending the olive leaf, uh, the olive branch just hasn't gotten him anything. Hmm. 
it'll be fascinating to watch what what does happen, especially when you see more and more of Chelsea Clinton, right? And, uh, you know, she came out with a statement months ago saying she wasn't going to run for office, which is an obvious statement that she is considering running for office in the future, right? Uh, so that that will be very interesting. And I think many people, uh, many, many people, not just those uh, the Trump supporters, but I think more and more people have a disgust for the Clintons and wish they would go away, even those who at one point supported Hillary and supported um, Bill Clinton. So, Roger, who is the deep state? Is that a conspiracy theory or is it really real? And are these people those um, who answer to, to those who would say are part of the New World Order or those who are really in control of the world? Well, uh, if it's conspiracy theory, then it would mean that Dwight Eisenhower was a conspiracy theorist because he called them the military-industrial complex. It's the same thing. What it is is the key individuals in government, mostly in the intelligence services, in the defense department, in the military, the highest levels, also among the defense contractors and those who make millions off of war, uh, and they have one point of view, which in recent years has dominated both parties. They are neocons. They rushed us into war in Iraq, for example. Um, they would like to rush us into war in Syria. Um, there's no conspiracy theory. It's absolutely clear that the Obama holdovers at the highest level of the intelligence services have been leaking illegally the fruits of some government surveillance and other things uh, in violation of the law in an attempt to embarrass the commander-in-chief. No conspiracy theory. It's pretty clear. On January 20th, the New York Times headline on page one was wiretapped data utilized in probe of Trump aides. That would be me. And the story said that intelligence service sources told the Times that there were emails, records of financial transactions, and then on the 31st, they add transcripts of intercepted phone calls that prove that Trump associates were working with the Russians to tip the election to Trump. No one has ever produced any of that material because I don't believe it exists yet. You, you saw a willful effort in which the, the intelligence agencies used their credibility to try to discredit the president. So you were part of um, the, the intelligence, right, or the counterintelligence or, or the lies that you were part of the, the collusion with, you know, with Russia, right, that benefited President Trump. Uh, and in fact, your life was threatened several times. Why? I mean, what do you think no you're afraid of? With, I had no contact whatsoever with any Russians or anybody representing the Russian state. Um, and it is... Uh, it's just a, a, it's a canard. It's a, a falsehood. Um, yes, I think I was poisoned back around Christmas. Somebody also clearly tried to kill me in an automobile accident, a hit and run. The driver has never been apprehended. The 
plates on the car turned out to be, you know, uh, counterfeit, fraudulent. Um, but I think that the the deep state, as it were, are very upset over the fact that Hillary Clinton had promised them to expand the proxy war in Syria, to include mm. a no-fly zone, and Donald Trump is like Richard Nixon. Uh, he's a detentist. He would prefer negotiations, uh, hard-headed negotiations, difficult negotiations, and peace over war. So what are your predictions for the rest of 2017 going into 2018 when it comes to um, the, the military uh, and our uh, issues with North Korea and Syria, when it comes to mainstream media, when it comes to Congress? What are your predictions? First of all, <clears throat> I think Donald Trump will keep his, pro his promise to rebuild our military strength. It had really been allowed to atrophy under his predecessor. And I think that is one of his, will be one of his signature achievements, as Reagan did. Um, I still believe that he will seal the borders and he will put in place an immigration system that is based in common sense, where, for example, when somebody applies to enter the United States, you're allowed to go look at their social media postings. That's not the case today. That would be illegal today. Um, I think that he will renegotiate these trade deals. But the cornerstone of his success has to be the revitalization of the economy. If he will pursue the very pro-growth-oriented and dynamic program that he laid out in the campaign, cut the corporate tax rate to, through inversion, bring billions of dollars offshore back into the country to be, um, you know, fairly taxed. He, he really could uh, revitalize the economy. He really could have what they'll call years later the Trump boom. I think that is the way it will go down. I think Donald Trump is going to turn out to be uh, a, a truly transformative president. What do you think will happen with the mainstream media? Hmm. They will continue to be discredited. They do it to themselves. The hate is so virulent coming out of CNN. It's so obvious a school child could see it. Hmm. Fascinating. Any, what do you think of some of the comments that he makes, like on Twitter with like Mika and Joe and how, you know, her face was bleeding. Um, does that make you cringe sometimes and going, oh, Donald, you've gone too far? Or, you know, it's just part of his bigger campaign, right, of fighting right. back. I mean, look, he, he's, not going, he's not going to change the way he is. He is a person who has always been combative, and if you hit him, he will hit you back hard. Um, and frankly, I'm surprised that he's waited this long. They have called to Trump a a dictator, a, uh, uh, a you know, a mentally uh, deficient. Uh, um, uh, they've they've implied that he is uh, you know unfit for office. They've called him a thug. They've called him every name in the book. Joe and and Mika have been particularly vituperative. Uh, I think people understand Trump is just not a turn the cheek kind of guy. 
I remember a speech that he gave in Anaheim, California in 2000, where he said, look, if you attack me, you've got to expect to be attacked back. That's just how I'm made. And that's exactly right. So I, I, I think particularly his attacks on CNN have been very effective. Um, and they have certainly deserved it based on you know their own activities. Well, we certainly are living in some interesting, interesting times. The drama that was the the election year, right? Um, how fascinating just watching Donald Trump interject right into the the election. Uh, what's happened since, right? Him as president. Uh, you could not write this as fiction and sell it. This is, these are just amazing times. Anything else you'd like to share before we sign off for today? Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think where we are today is improbable. But at the same time, I think it's our last best chance to save our country. Um, clearly, the country was in decline is in decline, and I think this is our last best chance to change things by getting off the the neocon framework put forward by the Clintons and the Bushes and the two-party duopoly elites uh, and to pursue a strategy that puts America first. It's refreshing, in my view, and I think it will be ultimately successful. Well, let's hope so. This is a very interesting and exciting time to be alive in this country. The election of Donald Trump was a long shot, according to some, and others thought as an inevitable outcry of an angry populace tired of being ignored in Washington. Are we experiencing a kind of revolution, or is there something else going on beneath the surface? I guess we'll have to watch and find out. Roger, I thank you so very much for joining us today on Living Wealthy Radio. Please let our listeners know how they can find you online. Sure. You can go to stonecoldtruth.com. You can go to stonezone.com. Uh, and uh, if you're interested in my books, The Making of the President 2016, How Donald Trump Orchestrated American Revolution, for example, you can go to rogerstone.com. Um, I appreciate being here today. It's uh, always uh fun to talk about my friend Donald Trump and what he has incredibly achieved. Yes. Thank you so much, Roger. Really appreciate you. And you, you keep doing what you're doing. You do a great job with your radio show. Very interesting. And lucky enough in Austin to have it in the car, right? In our radio station here locally, even though you can hear it broadcast online on your website. So thank you, Roger. Many thanks. Great to be here, and happy happy 4th of July. And same to you. Take care. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.